Morning, all. Um, Alan and Shirley can't be with us today. They're not feeling very well. So if you can remember them in your prayers. You know Alan's had a cough for a few, few weeks and can't shift it. Well, they shared it with Shirley and now she's got it. So uh, they're, they're staying away because they don't want to spread it. But if you could just ask the Lord to lift them up, restore them so they can be back with us soon. Um, this week I've been thinking about what God expects of us. What does God expect from us? Yeah. And um, when, you, when you talk about it in the world, yeah, you know, if you, if you have a job, you have a job description that dis- explains what's expected of you at work. Yeah. When I first started work many, many years ago, I, didn't, I don't remember having a job description. I think they were probably irrelevant to the people I worked for at the time. And I don't remember. Yeah. I still made it through. Um, but later on, I began to realize how important it was, not just for me, but people and other people who work around me, to have a job description. Yeah? Um, I think one of the biggest reasons it's, it's more important now is appraisals and PDRs and all those things. Yeah? If you have an appraisal and a thing like that every year, you have to be clear what you're supposed to be doing. Otherwise, how can you have an appraisal? So I think they're becoming more and more important. And if you get a job now, you get stacks of paperwork now about your job description, your role, the terms and conditions. It's enormous. I, I was very fortunate not to have that for most of my life. Um, there's some other benefits of having a job description. It tells you who you report to, which is really important. To know who, who, who's going to set your objectives, who's going to measure your performance, and who's going to do your appraisal. If it's not clear, then you're going to really struggle to fulfill the boss's needs. And the other important things of having it, it tells you your reward you're going to get. Yeah? Somewhere in there, massive documents, it will tell you about your benefits, your salaries, your holidays, and all the important things to us. Yeah? Just a few pages of that and lots of pages of everything else. But I sometimes think, do we as Christians need a job description? We're always looking for what God wants us to do, but do we need job descriptions? I think he's already described what he expects of us. So um, let's start with what God's job description for us is. And I think the most important thing is your title. Yeah? People get very hung up with the titles of their jobs, don't they? Yeah? I'm not just an administrator, I'm a senior administrator. Yeah, they get titles. But with God, it's more straightforward. Yeah? So here's a few suggestions of what our job description title could be. There's just a couple of verses, so I won't, won't, won't ask you to follow me just yet. But ye shall be called the priests of the Lord. People will speak of you as the ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of nations and you will boast of their riches. So that's in Isaiah 61. Moving to the New Testament. You, believers, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house for a holy and dedicated priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. That's 1 Peter 2 verse 5. And again in Peter 2, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a special people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies, the wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. So we're priests, yeah? 
the next thing you need to know when you've got your job title is what it means, yeah? What do you have to do? So shall we move on? We'll move on to Mark 16. Mark 16, verse 15. So this is Jesus speaking to us, so this is important. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed in me and has been baptised will be saved from the penalty of God's wrath and judgment. But who has not believed will be condemned. These signs shall accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. So that's a good one, yeah. Most important bit there, I think, is go into all the world and preach the gospel. Tell people the good news, that Jesus loves, God loves them and Jesus has died for our sins. So that's a good one to start with. There's a... Uh, he said to them, yeah, he didn't sort of put any restrictions on it, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. When we, th when we think about preaching, we always think of somebody up here talking and uh, expanding the gospel, but that's not just preaching the gospel. We can do it in our daily lives, yeah? Uh, next Saturday, the team will be out on the street proclaiming the good news, yeah? You can join them. Yeah, you can preach the gospel at home to your husband and wives, your mum and dad, your children, telling the good news about Jesus. Yeah? You can do it when you sing. We like to sing because there's a gospel message in our songs. Yeah? You can do it at work if you're brave enough. Yeah? You can do it on the bus, on the train, in the car. You can do it everywhere. There's no age restrictions. It doesn't say this is only for men over a certain age. It doesn't say you're too old, you're too young. It's for everybody. It's for men and women. Everybody can do this. It's in us, yeah? This is another bit to encourage us all and how to do it. This is in Corinthians 14, verse 26. What then is the right course, believers? When you meet together, each one has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, disclosure of special knowledge, a tongue or an interpretation. Let everything be constructive and edifying and done for the good of all the church. So that was uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. So when we come together, be it on a Sunday, on a Saturday, or on a Wednesday or a Thursday, bring something to contribute. It's not about the pastors not about the speakers, it's a body ministry. Everybody can contribute. So what other things can we uh, look to that God has asked us to do? Well, every month at the church we have communion. And this is what Paul says about communion. In 1 Corinthians 11, One Corinthians eleven verse twenty four. And when he gave thanks he broke it and said, This is this represents my body, which is offered as a sacrifice for you. Do this in affectionate remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are symbolically proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes again. 
So that was Jesus telling us to do this in remembrance of him. Yeah? So there's something else in our job description. We do it at church once a month, but I know people who do it every day. There's no limitation on when you can do it there. It says do it in remembrance of me. So uh, we can do it any time. Yeah? In the Old Testament, one of the key uh, roles of the priests was to offer sacrifices. Yeah? They had a sort of a, a life of doing it. I think their whole life was about doing that. Yeah? But that was the Old Testament. Yeah? Now that Jesus has died for us, we don't need any more sacrifice. Yeah? His was sufficient for our needs, for our sins. Yeah? But there is a sacrifice we need to make all the time. Romans 12, verse 1. But therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is the rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. So it's all about us sacrificing our lives for God. And I remember when David Hathaway was here, Something, somebody you have to admire for his life. You know, he's been doing it for 70, 80 years now. He said the way he keeps the fire of God going in his life is to make sure that he puts something of his life on the altar all the time. Yeah? So what is God asking us to sacrifice? What does he want us to sacrifice for him? What have we already sacrificed to him? Yeah, let's keep that altar and that fire burning in our lives by putting sacrifices on, them, on him. The other thing that uh, priests do is they judge doctrines, yeah? They make sure that the doctrine that's, that's spoken and taught in churches is correct. And there's a section in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1 verse 17. Ephesians 1, 17. I always pray that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. For we know the Father through the Son, and I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with the light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people. And so that you will begin to know with the immeasurable and unlimited and unsurpassing greatness of his active spiritual power in us who believe. These are in accordance with the workings of his mighty strength, which he produced in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. I think part of our life is to get to know God better. And we can do that dwelling on his word, the Bible as much as we can to get to know him better to ask him to reveal himself more through them um, we, we get uh, messages from God from different, different ways don't we get messages from God who speaks to us directly speaks to us when we read the Bible speaks to us when we're at church friends and family and other people talk to us yeah I think it's really good if we judge the doctrines that uh, people speak to us about. Yeah, Go back to the Word. Check that it's in line with the Word and God's character. 
Really important, yeah? We have the Bible to enable us to do this, yeah? But it's also an, a chance to us to have revelations of our flawed doctrines that we have in our lives, things that we've been taught, things that we've picked up in the past that are not quite right, not in line with God's, God's intention. Yeah? And um, sometimes we hear something that offends us or doesn't sound right. I think then we need to go back and seek God about it. Maybe it's not right and we should just ignore it. But I find a lot of the times it, these things challenge me to go back and look. Do you really understand what God meant by that? Yeah. And as I look at my life, and I'm sure it's true for other people, the things that we believed, some of those things have changed. Yeah. I'm not talking about the key foundations that, you know, like God loves us, that doesn't change. Yeah. That Jesus died for us, that doesn't change. That we're saved because of that, that doesn't change. But some of the other things in the Bible are not easy to understand. Yeah? They're not meant to be easy. They're meant to be learned and studied by spending time with God. Yeah? It says, the wisdom of man is but foolishness to God. Yeah? We've got a big gulf between us, and so we need to spend time on it. So I always like to think sometimes that my reaction is God challenging me about something, and God saying, you haven't quite got it right. Yeah? And I feel that... Um, I've got more of God's grace in my life. And things I thought were black and white, you realize God's grace covers a bit of gray as well. So I, when you feel challenged like that, and it's good to be challenged like that, just go back to God and say, God, is it me? If it's me, reveal it and change me. If it's not from you, Lord, just take it away. But don't, sometimes our response is a natural response rather than a spiritual response. And we make, need to make sure our responses are spiritual. Yeah? Personally, I find that my nature always seems to respond quicker than my spiritual, and I have to wait until the spiritual comes in and says, calm down, Andrew, get it in perspective. This is what I meant. The other thing we can do as priests, and really important, and Julie talked about it a few weeks ago, we can pray. Yeah? That's a thing that we can all do. We can pray for ourselves, we can pray for other people. We can pray for what God's doing in the church. We can pray for what God's doing in Basildon, in the country. And the country needs it quite a lot at the moment with all that's going on. I don't know about you, I feel that the country's in the wilderness at the moment, just going around in circles. And we need God to give us a Joshua to get us out. Yeah. Not saying where we go, I just will want to be out of the wilderness. I want to move on from talking about Brexit and all those things. Yeah. But I just want to remind you, Boris Johnson's not in charge. Jeremy Corbyn's not in charge. European Union's not in charge. Donald Trump's not in charge. God's in charge. It's God's plan. We've just got to wait for it. We've got to pray about it, yeah? Pray about it and seek God's will. Not what we feel, but what God's going to do, yeah? That's what we want to do. Um, one of the other things that, uh, it's not, probably not in the job description, but certainly something we used to talk about at work, um, was the values that we should exhibit what are the values of the company and what, what should we be in our dealings with the customers, our colleagues, etc. Fantastic idea. When things are going well, those values are all easy to do. When things go badly, you really see what people's values are. And they're not the values that have been espoused. They're, you know, they, people get defensive and, and do all the things that you shouldn't do. Yeah. That's the old man coming out. But we've got some values 
that uh, we should aspire to. Yeah. And that's out in Galatians 5, 22. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. I think we crucified them, but sometimes they don't appear to be dead, do they? Because they surface. And sometimes our initial reaction is not the fruits of the Spirit. But I think we need, we need to recognize that and tell them that's dead. God has dealt with that. These are our new fruits. Yeah? The other thing I found is, as I got more senior, having an authority in the job description was really good. Because people did as I told them. Not everybody. There were some awkward people who I had to spend a lot of time telling them I was the boss and they had to do what they're told. Patience, but it gave you the authority. Yeah. And we've been given authority by God. Yeah. When we were saved, we were given authority. Going back to Mark 16, it said, These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. We've given authority in these things, yeah? We don't have to ask God to do these. We can do these. We can pray to him. We can ask him to do these things, yeah? It's very handy to have authority because you don't need to keep going back to your boss asking, can I do this, yeah? He's told us what we can do and we don't need to keep checking with him. We just need to do it. The other thing in there is the working hours and conditions, yeah? Being a priest is a 24-hour-a-day job, 365 days a year, yeah? There's no holidays, yeah? This is us, yeah? You can't say... I'm only going to be a priest on Sunday, yeah? You're a priest all the time, yeah? You have all these authorities, you have all these responsibilities all the time, yeah? The other thing I got later on in my life was what's called matrix reporting. It means that you have your reporting to your boss, but you can also report to other people, yeah? And I must admit it was a bit of a nightmare because you weren't clear who was telling you what to do because some more senior people used to do things and you just couldn't do all of it. So I didn't really feel that it worked effectively because the people who are matrix report never talked to each other. So they never coordinated it, yeah? But we've got a matrix report, yeah? But the good thing about it, our boss, he does talk to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They're one and they are clear and consistent in what they do, yeah? So our matrix reporting is reporting is our relationship with our fellow Christians, yeah? And um, you've heard it before, it's a body ministry, isn't it? We can't do things alone, yeah? yeah? Christ is the head, but we can't do things without our fellow Christians. And we need to remember that, yeah? It's a body ministry, yeah? If we try and do it by ourselves, we're going to fail, yeah? We need to do it with a good relationship with other people, yeah? When Jesus was on the earth, he only did what the Father told him. 
and what the father showed him. Yeah. So that's the relationship we need to have. We don't need to be thinking up things that we want to do. We just want to be led by what God wants us to do. Yeah. And some of that is working together. Yeah. On the street next week, it's not good to be by yourself, is it? It's good to have people with you. Yeah. When you're praying, it's good to have people in agreement with you. Yeah. When you're worshipping, it's really good to have people with you. Yeah. It's a body ministry. Um, Hannah has some care that we have to employ people to provide her care. And uh, a, a company helped me to get all the things in place. But one of the things I needed was a job description, which was a bit more than a job description. But it was quite a lengthy document. And the job description was quite limited. Most of it seemed to be about what happens if things go wrong. So what happens if the, there's a grievance, if there's a disciplinary, if you do something wrong, yeah? And that was more than the, the job description and the terms and conditions, yeah? And when I give it to the ladies, I say, I'm sorry about this, I have to give it to you. I hope we never use most of this, yeah? But I'm just telling you that this is the, how it will work, yeah? But with God, it's completely different, yeah? These matters are quite small in there, yeah? Because... Disciplinaries, Jesus has paid it all. Yeah. God doesn't discipline us, does he? If we did, we wouldn't be alive. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus has t- taken all of our sins and all the things we've done wrong, and he's borne those things. Yeah. It, grievances, he's dealt with those as well. There's nothing we need to worry about. Yeah. And with God, he's dealt with all those things. Yeah. It's all up front. We haven't got to worry about that. Yeah. Jesus has paid it all. I'm pleased about that, pleased about that, yeah. The other thing I mentioned was appraisals, yeah. Some people enjoy them, some people don't enjoy them. So it's a bit of a faff for lots of people that have to do something once a year. And you know the people who don't do it throughout the year will always have troubles completing an appraisal, yeah. How do you know what people have done? Have they done it well? Is it a bit subjective, yeah? But God sees everything, doesn't he? So he knows how we're doing. It's like having a, a daily appraisal with him because if there's something that we're not doing, something we are doing well, he's there keeping, keeping us up to date, making sure that we are progressing. Yeah? This is the best appraisal you're ever going to have because he knows us better than ourselves. Yeah? He's compassionate. He loves us. He's doing it for our benefit, not the company's benefit or his benefit. He's doing it for our benefit, yeah? One of the good things about having appraisals is it identifies areas where you need training, yeah? God does the same. He's always looking for where we can develop, improve, yeah? Some of these things come easy. Other of these things come through our trials and our temptations and the things that happen to us, yeah? But we need to remember God is good. And what we're going through, however difficult it is, there's a purpose behind it, yeah? Sometimes we know the purpose, sometimes we don't. But we just need to remember the character of God. What is he like? He's loving, yeah? He's doing it for our benefit, yeah? The most important thing on most people's job description, I think, is the, how much they're going to get paid. <laughs> That's what everybody wants to know, first of all, yeah? Is that the right number? Have I got more than my previous job? Is it better than my colleagues and all those things? Yeah? Well, our reward 
is eternal life, isn't it? To be with Jesus, yeah? What could be better than that? Nothing, yeah? Everything else is tiny in comparison with that, yeah? That's our reward, yeah? And sometimes people I've worked for have said, well, if you do this, you'll get a pay rise, pay rise next year, or you might get a pay rise next year. Yeah. If I'm doing it, why don't I get a pay rise now when I'm doing the job? Yeah. But uh, some people are stingy or use it as a way of uh, a carrot to get you to do something. Yeah. God doesn't do that, does he? We've got it all ready. However we do, however we perform, we've got eternal life. Yeah? We're going to be with Jesus for eternity, forever. So in Revelation 20, verse 6, Blessed, happy, prosperous to be admired, and holy is the person who takes part in the first resurrection. Over these the second death has no power or authority. But they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign for him a thousand years. Now that, that's just the first part. After that, there's eternity. Yeah? But we're going to be priests of God, not just in this life, but in the future. Yeah? So I'd encourage you to have a look at your job description and then get on and do your job. Yeah? Don't wait for God to tell you to do something, because as, as we've gone through, he's already told you to do things, yeah? There's things we can all do without God prompting us, yeah? Don't wait for the pastor to do it, yeah? Maybe God's going to ask you to do it. Don't wait for your, somebody else to do it. Just get on with it, yeah? If you don't do it, it's not going to be the end of the world. God will find another way of getting done, yeah? You remember Ruth? She had a, a difficult, not Ruth, Esther. She had a difficult thing to do. And her uncle said, if you don't do this, you're going to miss out on the blessing of God. Yeah? Somebody else would do it and get that blessing. Yeah? So if God asks you to do something, you feel prompted, have a go. Yeah? What, what, what's the worst that can happen? Might be embarrassed or something. What's the best that can happen? You might be a blessing to somebody, yeah? You might affect somebody's life, somebody's day. Yeah. You might be watering somebody who's, who's God is working on to be saved. Yeah. So I'd encourage you, have a go. Yeah. As Henry used to say, it's in you. So now is the chance to have a go. Who's going to come along and have a go? Share a word. Share a song. Pray. Who's going to have a go? It's your opportunity to step out into your priestly role. Yeah. Who wants to have a? Who wants to come and say something now? Is it going to be volunteers or is it going to be oppressed people? 